This is the None of Your Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robert DeLude, and it is my mission to bring you inspiring stories from entrepreneurs, businessmen, and women, students, coaches, or anyone else who is crushing it in life and doing kick-ass things. We all go through struggles. It doesn't matter what our background is, but we can overcome them. And I'm going to show you how. Thank you for joining me today. Now let the show begin. And I just wanted to say real quick, I hope each and every one of you had a very nice Halloween. You had fun, you were safe, you dressed up, and you took lots of selfies. That's the important part. So anyways, let's get back to the show. I just want to say, hope you guys had a good Halloween. It's November 1st! So... What's up, guys? More episodes coming your way. And, uh... Hashtag Inspiration Nation. Don't forget to take a screenshot. Tag me. And hashtag Inspiration Nation on Instagram. And, uh... Yeah. Hope you guys enjoy. What's up, guys? This is episode 51. This is Robert DeLude. And, uh, anyways, we got Dave Jackson in the house today. Well, not really in the house, but I think it sounds cool. So, anyways, uh, this was a freaking unbelievable honor that I got to uh, interview Mr. Jackson here. You know, Dave has been podcasting since 2005, uh, he launched the School of Podcasting. Um, that show has been downloaded more than 2.1 million times. You can find that at the school He is also the author of profit from your podcast, and he is a featured speaker at events. You know, back in 2016, he ju- got hired over at Lipson and now works for them. Um, and you know what? He is in the Hall of Fame for podcasting. So, the Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame, to be exact. You know, Dave provides so much value. Um, He really gets deep down and vulnerable on this. Um, You know, through his personal life, um, we talk about, you know, the healing process of overcoming struggles. We talk about divorces. We talk about how podcasting is different from how it is back in 2005 till today. You know, a lot of cool stuff here, guys. So go support him at theschoolpodcasting.com and, uh, you know, find him on Facebook, The School of Podcasting or Dave Jackson. So go support the love for him. Tag me on Instagram at Robert Delude and... Hope you guys enjoy. Let me know what you think. Please go rate and review this on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever else you listen to this to. I would very much appreciate that. And, you know, 
You guys are Inspiration Nation, so please share this with somebody that maybe is going through divorce, maybe is going through bankruptcy, maybe on how to launch their podcast. You know, there's a lot of lot of valuable information in this one, and you know, this was incredible. You know, I Dave, super nice guy, by the way. Um, I was a little bit intimidated. You know, I set up like an hour early and my mic was still not even turned on. So, yeah, super nice guy. Um, I hope you guys enjoy. Let me know what you think and have a great morning. All right. So welcome, Dave. So who are you? What do you do? I am uh, I'm Dave Jackson. I uh, founded the School of Podcasting back in uh, 2005, uh, and I uh, help people basically start your podcast and grow your influence, if we're going to say that in as little words as less. And then I, I also, because of my podcast, my background uh, was in teaching. I taught in uh, the corporate world for probably two decades, a lot of Microsoft Office and QuickBooks and time management and all that kind of stuff. Um, did that for a long time. And then uh, after the last time, probably the second or third time in my life, I've been told, you're one of our best trainers, but uh, we have to let you go. To which I always wanted to say, why aren't we firing the sales guys that can't sell? You know, But now we're going to downsize the training department. And so I'd been podcasting for at that point about 10 years. And I said, uh, boy, if I want to get a job in podcasting, where would I want to work? And I was like, oh, that would be Libsyn. And mm-hmm. to make a long story short, I knew some people over there and made a couple calls and been working for Libsyn now for three years. So I, I do Libsyn during the day. That's uh, that's the, hey, how do I get health benefits job? Not that I don't love it. I, I do love that job. And then I do the School of Podcasting. It's just a super serious side hustle uh, that, that helps me uh, kind of keep my teaching itch. I uh, get that yeah. well. So what made you like go into the teaching path? You know, I, I really, I fell into it. I kind of followed i thought i wanted to be a technician because well that's what my dad was so i started off went to school got my two-year degree in electronic engineering and i fixed copiers for a living for about a year and a half and was not a huge fan because when you're a technician everybody you meet is upset because well their stuff doesn't work Mm -hmm. and they the company i worked for uh sold copy machines and those were getting more and more robust it wasn't a case of hey, look, it'll do double-sided. Now it was stapling, stapling and collating and it was color now and they were uh, getting connected to printers and things like that. And they said, look, you have a technical background and you seem to like to talk. My, my, the, uh, the manager at the time, he goes, you seem to, to like to talk. And everybody was really intimidated by this guy. His name was Greg. And everyone's like, I can't believe you just go up and talk to Greg. And I'm like, he's, he's just a dude. He likes football. Well, go talk to Greg. And so because of that, he's like, we, we made a position for you. And he goes, we want you to go out and train people. You're going to go out and set up the equipment because you have that technical side. And he goes, but we want you to also go out and train people how to run the equipment. And he goes, but more importantly, what you're there to do is to show people how to not run the equipment. He goes, because we have a lot of things that the uh, customers were doing that were causing service calls. And so instead of sending somebody out on a machine that was actually broken, we're sending people out because they don't know how to clear a paper jam. Mm-hmm. So I was really out there to train them on how to run the equipment, how, how to, you know, don't put staples on the copier and things like that and that really just by doing that reduced the uh service calls it really 
was a great efficiency booster. And then they went, do you know anything about computers? And I went, well, I used one in college. And they're like, would you want to teach computers? We have this other division that does computer stuff. And then they said, how would you feel about uh, working in the newspaper industry? We have this other software that we write. And so I got to fly around the country and teach newspapers on how to run these big giant scanners. And then they were like, what do you think about their 10 years? And in the process had four different jobs and all of them slowly involved into training. So that when I finally, another one where they, uh, they moved me into a position where I was teaching software, rolling it out to the company, halfway through the company decided, we're not sure this is the best software for us. And they went, hmm, what are we going to do with Dave then? And it was like, oh, it's like a bad game of musical chairs. And that's when I went back to get a job as a teacher because that's what I've been doing for about nine years. Mm -hmm. And it was weird because all the places I applied said, that's weird. Your degree's in engineering. Why are you applying for a teaching job? And I'm like, because here's my resume. Look, I've done all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, we can't even talk to you without a teaching degree. So at the ripe old age of 42, I went back to school, which was fun because I would walk into the classroom and the students would go, are you the teacher? And I'm like, no, no, I'm actually one of the students <laughs> and got a teaching degree, which was uh, kind of fun because I did that for about another five years. And again, was, was told, you know, you're one of our best trainers. We got to let you go. And I was just like, okay, I think I'm done with this. And I'd just seen the writing on the wall. I'd been teaching a lot, like I said, a lot of Microsoft stuff. And I remember I was in class one day and this student asked a question. He said, have you ever used those two features together? And I'm like, oh, I know them both, but I've, I've never used them together. Let's, let's write that on the board and we'll talk about it on break. And I wrote it on the board and he asked his phone and got an answer. And I went, hmm, you're going to get replaced by a phone. And if, you know, five trainers went to four, went to three, went to two. And, you know, eventually I got the call and I was like, so that's when I was like, hmm, I'd like to get a job in podcasting. So that's, that's kind of the, the story of where I started and how I got here. That's, that's interesting. So you're the podcast coach. Yeah. Um, what do you get out of that? Boy, it's a lot. I think my favorite is I had a woman call up, um, Marcy Rosenbaum called me up. She's uh, kind of an empty nester. So been married for a while, got this phenomenal business background and she wants to start a podcast, but she calls me up and says, I'm never going to be able to do a podcast. I, you don't understand me. Uh, technology is not my friend. My VCR blinks 12 o'clock. I'm just, there's no way I can do this. Can you help me? And I said, yep, we can get you through. So I took somebody who started off saying, there's no way I'm going to do this. And then fast forward about a month and a half later, she calls me up and she's crying. And I'm like, Marcy, what's, what's the problem? She's like, she's just weeping. And I'm like, Marcy, seriously, what's, what's going on? And she goes, I'm in iTunes. I'm in iTunes. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, I, I said, I walked you through that yesterday. I said, I told you it'd be about a day or two before you'll be in it. She goes, no, I'm in iTunes. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, I told you I couldn't do it. You said I could and I did. And I, so to me, that puts a huge amount of gas in my tank. And just the fact that I think we all have uh, what a lot of people call imposter syndrome, the whole like, who would listen to me kind of thing. And I see more and more people that start a podcast. And uh, I have a friend of mine, a member of the School of Podcasting, uh, the Football History Dude is his podcast. And I told him, I said, you know, let other people say no to you. Don't assume they're going to say no. Make them say no. And so he approached the Football Hall of Fame and said, hey, you know, you're inducting four new people here. I have a podcast. Is there any chance I could get a press pass? And they said, uh, yeah, sure. Here you go. And he's like, wait, what, what? So, and he got to go in and while everybody is mobbing, 
the, the four new people that are going into the football hall of fame, all the old timers are in the back feeling neglected. Well, that's his people. He's doing the history of football and got to talk to like the, uh, the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, who was like, once he figured out that, Hey, this guy's all about the old timers. He was like, Oh, I can get you in contact with this guy and that guy and this guy. So it's really cool. So I love just seeing people kind of walk in with like, I'm not sure I can do this. And then they come back with like, Hey, because of my podcast, I got to hang out with, you know, Alice Cooper or, Hey, because of my podcast, I'm actually selling things or I'm being, I just got asked to do a Ted talk or, you know, whatever it is. And it's for me, that's just huge. And that's just kind of my teacher itch. You know, I, I remember once I helped a bunch of kids that didn't, they needed to get their GED mm-hmm. and they were just like, look, you don't understand math is not my thing. I'm never going to be able to pass this. And you just walk them through and, you know, you get them through. And the next thing you know, they're calling me up going, I got it. I passed my GED. And I'm like, see, I told you. So I think that's just mm-hmm. in my DNA somewhere. I just like to help people and, uh, get them to, to where they want to be. I like that. So, uh, helping people, how in other areas of your life do you help people? Listen, I think is probably the biggest thing you can do for anybody. I've, I've been told, I mean, even in my early twenties, I just had people like, why you're a really good listener. So I think that's just something that, especially kind of now I was laughing uh, a couple weekends ago, I was watching an old videotape from 1988, and it was amazing because there were no cell phones. We're all walking around taking pictures with Instamatic cameras and things like that. And so uh, now, and the thing I thought that was interesting is this guy's walking around with a camera. So now we all are taking selfies. You know, I went to uh, to dinner with some some family that was out of town. That's why we're watching this old video, and we're taking selfies the whole travel thing 1988 somebody turned on a camera everybody ran so i think sometimes that it you know we're a little more focused on us like it's all about me and and telling my story and i think when you can really truly put somebody else first and listen to them and i I think we all want to be heard i think that's why people start a podcast i think we all want to be heard I, i think that's probably one of the biggest ways you can help somebody is just by listening to them Mm-hmm. That's kind of, people say that you're a good listener and then you start a podcast which more would be speaking I kind yeah of. but but the key uh, uh the key to a good podcast is listening to what does your audience need because mm-hmm. that's where it's the content it's it's not it's not the technology a lot of people get hung up on the technology nobody ever calls somebody on the phone and says you have to listen to this podcast why? Because it sounds amazing. No, it's always, oh, they talk about this or that. Um, there's a, a guy, I'll see if I can remember how to say this, ankylosis. Mm, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bizarre disease where your bones fuse together. Ed Sullivan had it. Mick Mars and Motley Crue has it. That If you ever see people kind of hunched over. And he started this podcast for people that have AS. Uh, and he's already getting a community around because those are people that are like, wait, I thought I was the only person going through this. It's a horrible disease. And just by starting it and talking about, here's some things you can try. Here's some new treatments that might be coming down the pike. He's never going to have a gazillion listeners, but the people that find it are like, Oh my gosh, I thought this was about me. I had a, 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 had a client once that had a son who was pretty heavy on the autism spectrum and she loved Disney. And so she started a podcast called Special Mouse, and it was about how to take people with special needs 
to amusement parks. And same thing, super niche uh, topic, but the people that found that were like, oh man, I thought I was the only person going through this. And they had a, a Facebook group for everybody to kind of share ideas and insights. So when you start a podcast and, and you kind of plant your flag, typically your, your audience will find you. It takes a little while for them to show up sometimes, depending on what you're doing to promote it. But um, that, that's something that always, uh, I just love to hear when, you know, anytime you can take somebody, I mean, think about that. There's somebody that feels alone. I mean, that's a horrible feeling. Mm -hmm. And then you start a podcast and now that person doesn't feel alone. That's, that's huge. I mean, we all, I mean, we all talk about monetization and making money with a podcast and things like that. But when you can stop somebody from feeling alone, that's, that's priceless. Yeah. Um, it, I completely agree. Do you, you know who Evan Carmichael is? The YouTuber? I do not. Oh, well, he has like the biggest entrepreneur YouTube channel. Mm, uh, anyways, he always says that your purpose comes from your pain. Mm. And like, I always, when I started my podcast, I like had a million ideas. I didn't know exactly what direction I want to put it. But in 2018, I ended up homeless in Las Vegas for like three or four months um, in an abusive relationship, mentally, physically, spiritually. And then I realized like a lot of men don't talk about being physically abused by a female partner. Right. So I'm like, why not, you know, share a little bit about that and other struggles and really get in more into like that kind of market and inspire other people. Like I want to talk, like when I was 19, I want to start a podcast, but I was always in fear because like, like people are going to judge me. I don't know. Like, is anybody going to listen? Um, you started your pod podcasting in 2005. Like, what did you go through? Like, same, not, obviously not the same struggles, but like what you wanted your topic to be? No, I've started podcasts. Some of them worked and some of them didn't. I started one because my background was in customer service. And I said, well, I'll start the customer service show and I'll, I'll share all these tips and, and uh, all these different things that I had done. And I think I did seven episodes and I just sounded like a grumpy old man. I was like, I can't believe I did this today and they didn't even do this. And this is how you should have handled it. And I was just like, I just sound like a grumpy old man. And just because it's my job doesn't mean it's my passion. Mm -hmm. So that was the one I did about seven episodes. I did one uh, with my ex-wife called the Dates from Hell Show, where we were talking one day and swapping horror stories about really horrible dates we were on. And somebody said, you should turn that into a podcast. And then it dawned on us that we only had so many stories. And then we said, well, we'll get our audience to share their stories. Well, a, you don't have an audience when you first start. So we, we're still building that. And then B, you're asking people to speak in public and humiliate themselves. Not really the two things that most people are just dying to do. So, <laughs> so that, that podcast uh, died a slow, painful death because there just wasn't any content. So uh, over the years, yeah, it's kind of, uh, you know, I've had different ideas. I've tried different things. Uh, the School of Podcasting has been going. And the, the fun thing about that is I, I've been lucky enough to build an audience. So I always have my audience going, hey, Dave, did you hear about this? Or there's this new tool coming up. Or it'll be some of my clients who are now doing things and they have a great story. Or there's some new, um, you know, service that pops up. So it's been changing so much uh, over the years that there's always something to talk about. And a lot of it is I go to um, 
different events. Uh, you were talking about, you know, guys not talking about their feelings. And that's the thing I thought was interesting. I went to a podcast event uh, last, the last weekend, I guess it was called She Podcast. It was in Atlanta and okay. it was about 600 female podcasters. It was designed for females. And that's the thing. I, guys have feelings. We, we think and feel everything they do. We just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the the big thing. We, we're going to go over here in the room and puff on cigars and talk about sports and, and things that don't really matter a whole lot. Right. Uh, where, where the females were out, I had some really interesting conversations. Uh, so I think that's probably one of the biggest things. But uh, for me, it's always been, you know, just for the podcasting thing, that's been going on. I do a, I did a show called uh, Weekly Web Tools because I used to do web design. And I did that for 10 years. And after about 10 years, I just went, I think I've hit every tool there is to hit that I talked about. It was taking more and more time to find something to talk about. And most of the time I wasn't that excited. I was like, I was doing a lot of like, eh, this'll do. And that's not really the way I roll. I want stuff that I'm really excited to talk about. Wait till you see this. This is awesome. And so after about 10 years, I just went, okay. I just told my audience, I said, here's the deal. This has been weekly for about 10 years. I said, I am not going to be weekly anymore. I said, in fact, I may be every other, other month. They said, you can unsubscribe if you want, but just know that if there's a new episode, it's because I found something really cool. And so they're fine with that. You know, there's other things they can do, but I uh, just put out an episode last month for the first time in about four months. And I had somebody email me like, always glad to see these show up because I know it's something good. So one of the great things about a podcast is there are no rules. There are best practices, but you know, if you want to do a show one week, that's 10 minutes and the next one, it's, you know, 45, it's your show. I always say it's a, it's a recipe. It's not a statue and uh, you can do whatever you want. Mm, I like that. Uh, <clears throat> so three, you know, before we started recording, you talked about some personal struggles. Do you want to share about any of those? Sure. I, for me, the, the key, I've had two divorces, uh, been bankrupt, uh, that's fun because I always grew up my I grew up poor. I didn't know it until later uh, that you kind of look back and go, hey, wait a minute. We eat a lot of Mac. You know, I remember eating government cheese. That's uh, that, that doesn't happen by accident. Uh, my dad was a long distance truck driver and was often between jobs, as they say. Uh, and so I learned to manage money because we didn't have much of it. And so when I got married the first time, my uh, my first wife. Um, when I married her, I knew this, she had one ovary and then we, so we knew having a kid was somewhat difficult. Uh, and then it turns out that she had endometriosis, which is basically like speed bumps on your uterus. So it's not going to be easy for our good friends, the sperm to, to get to where it needs to get. And so we ended up doing, um, like whatever's called in vitro fertilization, basically like a turkey baster for like a better phrase. Okay. Uh, that whole nine yards. And when your wife is crying saying, I really want to have a kid, you start doing stupid things like treatments on credit cards. That's a really bad idea. And so eventually uh, a doctor finally looked at us and said, you're just not going to be able to conceive. You should probably quit spending your money on this. And I was kind of like, whoo, as much as I wanted to have a kid, I was kind of like, cause this is, you know, if we had a kid, how are we going to afford it now? Um, mm-hmm. Then insert 9-11, her hours get cut, and that's all it took because we were, we were running. I mean, we're talking paycheck to paycheck, and now your paycheck gets cut by about 30%, and now that's not getting paid. That's not getting paid. 
Uh, and so that led to her becoming an alcoholic, which was a ton of fun to where the last three years of my marriage, I was just waiting for her to sober up. I'm like, okay, I'm not going anywhere, but mm -hmm. this is, this is ridiculous. Uh, and then eventually she ended up cheating on me, which was fun. And so that then was when we finally said, look, there's not much to, uh, to save here. And we ended up going through bankruptcy. So it was a matter of like, okay, we're not keeping the house. We're not keeping this and that. So what's the point of keeping the marriage? So that was the, uh, that was the end of that. Um, you know, and, and when you do stuff like that, it's, it's always fun looking back with 2020 vision. Cause for me, what I did is when, uh, right after, right when we started the fertility treatment, um, I took a job because we we're running out of money because these things are not cheap at all. Mm -hmm. And I took a new position at my job where I was traveling all the time, but it was more money. And I'm like, well, we need more money right now, which is fun because it's not handy to be in Kansas city when your wife is ovulating and she's in Ohio. You're like, Oh, oops. You know? So that was always kind of fun. And, uh, and then after we finally threw in the towel on kids now your wife is really in a way in mourning. She's in mourning over not being able to kid. And you know, you're in LA and then you're going to Chicago. So really when she needs you the most is when I'm not there. So when I look at that, I go, Hmm, this is one of those cases where we could have cut cable. We could have cut back on, we could have eaten, you know, we could have stopped eating out as we didn't do a whole lot of eating out, but we could have cut back more. You know, there are all sorts of ways you could cut money. And then I wouldn't have had to take the job for travel. And then I would have been home. And it's one of those that might have, have done that. So I realized that this is just one of those things where you have to be really careful following a, a passion or, or putting yourself in a position where, you know, I need to do this or, or, you know, we're going to start losing things. And that's where you kind of have to ask yourself, well, is it really so bad if I, you know, if they come take this, you know, whatever, if I, if I lose my gym membership, is that really that bad? I mean, I can run around the block and I can do push-ups and things like that. So I just always try to find the, uh, you know, to just wring out every inch of knowledge I can. And the one thing that I would say that I did from that, that took a, a little while was um, I've, I've had, I've actually been married twice. And in both cases, I've, I was able to do, if you can do a friendly divorce, like I'm actually still friends with both my ex-wives. Uh, last year, I actually ended up going to ex-wife number two's mom's house for Christmas because that was somebody I'd been married to for about eight years. My first marriage was 15 uh, and the second one was eight. And I spent eight years with, I had stepkids and she's like, Hey, we're all going to be here. Uh, it sounds like you're not doing anything. If you want to come to my mom's house, you can, it would be great to get caught up with the kids because their dad was kind of a schmuck, um, got remarried and forgot he had three kids. So I've actually probably attended more school events and, you know, choir practices and football games and things like that than he did. So right, you're being your stepdad. Yeah. So, so, yeah. you know, that's one of those things where we just, uh, we just realized in, in kind of both cases that there wasn't much left to save uh, with uh, ex-wife number two, and we'd been married for probably eight years. And I think we were in counseling for six. We realized really early in our marriage that, oops, we probably should have dated a little longer. But, you know, love makes you do kind of silly, stupid things. Oh, sometimes. Yeah. You look back and you go, you know, if you need to do marriage counseling before you're married, hmm, you know, that's, that's maybe a red <laughs> flag. Um, 
you know, when, when you say, Hey, uh, when somebody says put a ring on my finger or I'll leave, you know, maybe you should let them leave or, and then you say, oh, okay, I'll put a ring on your finger, but we have to have a long engagement. And that long engagement turns into getting married right after you graduate. You know, there's things you're like, Oh, you know, and the one day she, she kind of looked at me, she goes, you know, I never realized this, but it's kind of true. And I go, what? She goes, I kind of bullied you into getting married. And I go, kinda. She goes, and you were the good guy. You were the nice guy trying to make your wife happy. She goes, but looking back, your ideas weren't really that stupid. We should have had a longer engagement because this would have exposed how we're really a lot more different than we thought we were, you know. And so uh, I, I've been lucky in that aspect that um, even with my ex-wife that cheated on me, I, you know, looking back, I know exactly why. She wasn't doing it because she hated me. It was just that was somebody who was in a lot of pain and probably drunk at the time. And so, um, you know, it's life's too hold on to grudges in my book. Yeah. I, I, my ex, my ex fiance, she cheated on me when we were homeless in Vegas. My, like I've been cheated on numerous times. Like I'm not holding a grudge towards that person just holds up space in my head that could be used for something else. Exactly. There, there are much more positive things to focus on and, you know, he, he, how's that old saying go from the Bible? He who has no sin cast the first stone. So I'm not perfect. And, um, you know, it's, we all make mistakes and it's a bummer that it happened. And that again is where I kind of look back and go, okay, what could I have done differently here? Because unless, you know, cause it, I, uh, I remember once when I was in marriage counseling, they said, look, you're not, you know, you didn't start dating Hitler. Like you used to like each other and you're not a bad person. So like what happened here? And then you just kind of go, well, you know, she needed this. I didn't give it to her. And this guy needed that. And she didn't give it to me and et cetera, et cetera. And you just kind of figure out where it is. And that's where sometimes you go, hmm, maybe we just weren't, you know, meant to be together because every relationship has give and take. And in, especially in my second marriage where we went through counseling, we both tried to bend as much as we could to where we could give the other person what they needed. But in the end, it was just like, you know what, that's just not, I, I can't be the person you want me to be and, and vice versa. And uh, it's kind of funny because she's, um, she's engaged now and I'm thrilled because this guy is exactly what she wants. She's, she wants to go out and party and drink and travel. And that just wasn't my thing at the time. And so when I see that she's happy, I'm like, this is great. I'm, you know, thrilled. I'm glad that, uh, you know, she deserves to be happy. She just unfortunately married the wrong guy. That was, that's not my cup of tea. Well, yeah, we live and we learn. Yeah, that's it. And that's where the, the one thing I thought about this, I, I just had a, uh, a friend of mine, uh, when I was in my 20s, uh, my mom died when I was 24, she had a, a heart attack. And so I kind of was adopted by this family that uh, there was a girl I worked with. And I, it was just a case where I would get off work. And it was close to where I worked, I would just go over hang out over there. I mean, I have a, a sister, brother and, and my dad. Uh, but it was just more cozy and friendly over there. So I hung out there. And uh, in both cases, uh, my ex-wife wasn't crazy about me hanging out over there because the the friend was a girl. And I'm like, well, she's kind of like, you know, she's just a friend. And she's like, yeah, but she's really cute. I'm like, okay, yes, yeah, she's really cute. But I, it's it's like my second family. So the first wife would kind of put up with it. Second wife wasn't taking any of it. She's like, no, no, you cannot have a girlfriend. And so I just found out uh, about a month ago that I was on Facebook. I have two Facebooks, one's for my business and one's for my family. And this is where I was like, mm, you need to hang out more on the family side of life because you missed this. 
and here that that friend that I worked with was like, it's it's with deep regret that I have to announce that my mom died. And not only is she dead, she's been dead for a month and they were having a service to like a memorial. And I was like, wow, you know what? Um, that is somebody who, who really meant a lot to me. She was kind of like my second mom. And when I, uh, for a while I lived in Cleveland. Now I live in Akron, Ohio, about an hour south. And that's kind of where I grew up with. And I always said, I should take the time and go back and reconnect with those people because the ex-wives are gone. There's nothing between, and it was always one of those things like, oh, you know what, I need to do that. It's going to be awkward because I haven't talked to them and things like that. And then I found out that she's been dead for a month. I'm like, number one, it's horrible that I wasn't there for my friend when her mom died. Number two, it's been a month. I'm like, how you are, you not only are you out of the loop, you are way out of the loop. And I'm like, of course you have, because you abandoned that family. And that was just something that I said, okay, in the future, if I ever date again, and I have somebody that tries to tell me who I can and cannot be friends with, because that's a, that's a trust issue. And I'm like, mm -hmm. again, there's a red flag. And I'm like, that's not going to be the case. And I'm not stupid enough to go into the whole, like, you can't tell me what to do, but that's one where it's like, no, no, you got to believe me when I say that's my friend and it's, they're just a friend and everything is cool. So that was one that just happened about a month ago that I was kind of like, I put up a mirror and I'm like, Hey, you know what? You're kind of a crappy friend back then. You know, you just abandoned this second family of yours. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've reached out to them on Facebook and I'm, you know, send a card and you, you do what you can. But uh, that's one that I kind of, uh, in terms of a lesson, I go, yeah, in both cases I had, you know, my ex-wives were like, not really crazy about that. I'm like, yeah, I know she was a, a, a female who had a boyfriend. That was the other one. I'm like, she has a boyfriend. We're just, we're just buddies. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's a red flag that I'm like, I don't, if I'm ever in another relationship and they're like, yeah, this, this podcast person that you're helping or whatever, and she's a female and I don't want you doing that. I'll be like, and you're gone. We'll see you later. See ya. That's not going to work. That's a red flag that I'm no longer going to miss. Right. I can definitely relate on that. My, my ex, um, like my sister's best friend in high school. Well, this is a different ex. My sister's best friend in high school for years. So their family is like my second family. Um, and I just happened to sleep with one for a summer, yada, 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 yada. um, kind of weird situation. But then my ex, like trying to invite her and meet like, cause this other mom, she's like my second mom. Like, Hey, I want you to right. you know, meet, meet this family. We got into a huge fight. Like she slashed my tires and she's like, you're not going yeah. over there. I'm like, Oh my, like, and I thought she was the one. And yeah, see, I, that's, <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that because my second wife um, told me the story about how she had dated this guy who cheated on her numerous times and she eventually slashed his tires. So, <laughs> so on one hand, I'm like, well, good for you for standing up. Now, looking back, I go, what person stays with somebody who's been cheated on multiple times by the same person? I was like, I would think most people on one hand, I was like, well, she's committed to the relationship and she's always trying to make it better. But on the other hand, I'm like, no, she's that. That's somebody who's maybe you should leave somebody who cheats on you multiple yeah. times. Yeah, obviously so, they're not committed to you. Yeah, so it was just one of those where it's like, hmm. So they, they, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, if you could tell like the younger version of yourself when like going through bankruptcy, yeah. uh, the healing process, what would you tell yourself? Boy, the healing process. That's a good one. Um, uh, kind of, you know, what I've been saying is 
And I just got this from, I think probably my dad. I, I just said, cause I didn't realize my dad was a long distance truck driver. So I didn't really know him that well. It's not a case. He was a deadbeat dad. The reason he wasn't around is cause he was, you know, driving all over the country mm-hmm. and I'd see him on the weekends. Um, and so when I told him I was getting divorced the first time and he said, Oh, I was married before I met your mom. I did not know that. And he had met somebody um, right before uh, going to the Korean war. And while he was in Korea, she cheated on him and he got back and they got divorced. And he said, so uh, he goes, you know, do you just kind of learn what you can from it? And he goes, and you know, hopefully you'll be as lucky as I was because I ended up meeting your mom. So that's where I was kind of like, all right, I need to treat this like a, uh, you know, uh, a really painful, but a learning opportunity. What could I do here? And so that's, that's one where um, I just did my best uh, with, with both ex-wives to like, okay, you know, this didn't work. Life's too short. And the other thing is you got to realize, at least for me, these are people that were my friends way before they were my wives, you know? And so I really value people. I, I really value friendship. So as much as I was in pain for losing the marriage, I was more in pain of losing somebody who, who kind of knew me. And for me, those are hard to find. So uh, I didn't want to lose that, which is kind of interesting because in the end, I don't really talk much to them. I probably talk uh, ex-wife number one, maybe two or three times a year, and ex-wife number two, probably maybe once a month. We'll hit each other up on Facebook and kind of just like, what's up? You know, you can help with, nope, okay, you're good kind of thing. And so I, I just kind of try to do it that way. Uh, the other thing I would do, I would say to my older, my younger self would be, you know how you're in high school and you have that one like business planning guy comes in and he tells you to stick a hundred dollars away from every paycheck or whatever it is. And if you do this, you'll, yeah, I didn't listen. And now I'm kind of like, man, I wish I would. Have done that. So, um, yeah. And, um, you know, and just the fact that, in some cases, they always say time heals all wounds. It's it's weird because it's not that you're ever going to go back to normal. You have to mm-hmm. realize that there is there is you get a new normal. You know, um, my mom died when I was was in college. Uh, she had uh, been a smoker all her whole life. Had one heart attack and slowed her down. And her second heart attack um, was when I was 24. She was uh, in the hospital. They put her on some experimental drugs and they said, she, you know, this is hard to go on and it's even harder to get off. And so I actually had to go into a meeting with her to where she said, I don't want to go on life support. And I almost passed out when I realized what the heck was going on. It's one of those where you, oh, we're having a family meeting. And I'm walking yeah. like, whoa, this is, this is really serious stuff here. Um, and so sure enough, they went to take her off. She was supposed to come out of uh, the ICU that day and go into like whatever general population or whatever. And instead, her heart did a cha-cha, and that was heart attack number three, and that was the end of that. And so that is something where you, you find yourself in places where you, you think there's no way I can get through this. And I think we all can do a lot more than we think we can. It's just a lot of times you're put into situations that you don't want to be in. I mean, I had to go tell my grandma she outlived her kid. That is not a fun conversation to have. The only cool thing about that was my grandma figured it out before we even opened up our mouth. Just we, she could just tell by our faces. Yeah. And she said, she just said, mom's not coming home from the hospital. And we just went, nope. Uh, and then um, at the time I was 24, I was still going to school. I had uh, final exams the next week and mm-hmm. I went to the college and said, Hey, um, 
my mom died. Any chance we could postpone these finals for like a week? And they went, no. And I went, like, what could you out of finals? <laughs> what? So I had to do that. And then my dad's still a long distance truck driver. So now uh, my sister has, she's kind of Asperger-y, I guess if that's a phrase. Okay. Um, so she's self-sufficient, but she's a bit of a handful at times and likes things to be the same. Well, now everything changes because, hey, that's not how mom used to do it. Well, guess what? And this is how I'm going to do it. And so I got thrown into that whole role where I was now kind of, in a way, the head of the household until my dad got home, grocery shopping, taking care of my sister, and going to school and working as a waiter to put myself yeah. when I look back on and go, man, that wasn't a lot of fun. But on the other hand, I got through it, got my degree, you know, and, uh, you know, so I, I think sometimes you don't know how you're going to get through things, but if you just, you know, sometimes we take it, uh, you know, take it one day at a time. Sometimes you take it one breath at a time, but, uh, you know, you just keep pushing through and, and you get through it. That's true. So, you know, in that moment in when you passed out in the hospital and you woke up, like what was going through your mind? Actually, I didn't completely pass out. Um, I have passed out though. That's the fun thing. I was in the hospital and when she was talking about it, I remember I, I was standing next to her bed and I had to grab the handle, you know, they have those, those yeah. bars on beds between my knees because the, the room was just blinking. Mm. And so I just remember was like, um, the fact that, that if I don't do something here, I'm going to pass out. And so at that point I kind of lost, I was so focused on me. Like mm -hmm. I, I, you know, you start thinking about, you know, fields of daisies or anything fun and happy or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, but what's weird is in the future, I would go into hospitals and straight up pass out. My, my niece, um, here, here's a fun, like really seriously, that's going to happen. My niece was to labor in the hospital on the anniversary of my mom's death in the hospital she died in. So I'm in there and uh, it has to do something with, with either seeing people I love in thing, but all she did was go, cause she had a contraction. You do that when you have a contraction. And mm -hmm. the next thing I know I wake up and I'm just covered in sweat. I'm absolutely gray. And my, my brother and my sister-in-law escort me out to like this waiting room um, my brother later had gay surgery um, and just being in the hospital. I had to, I didn't pass out, but I started to sweat and I had to sit down. There've been a couple of times where I've been stuff like that. And about the time you think, and I know why, I know it's some hospital mom thing. I just, it drives you nuts because you can't control it. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad had uh, colon cancer and I was like, oh crap, hospitals, here we go again. And I was, perfectly fine through that whole thing i don't know what happened but that's not a problem anymore and i was in the movie um concussion starring will smith it was a movie about uh football players and he was the doctor that discovered the whole problem with concussions and they were talking about thinly slicing a brain mm -hmm. for some reason that conversation got to me and i'm sitting in a theater and i start to sweat and i'm like well, this is dumb. This isn't even a hospital. Why am I getting all weirded out on this? And I just start to sweat more. And I hear kind of my brain go, you need to leave now. And I'm like, well, this, I'm just going to think about daisies and go to my happy place and take deep breaths. And I woke up to my legs doing the river dance. And again, wow. I'm just drenched in sweat. So I'm like, wait a minute, you just passed out in a movie. <laughs> so 
that's one of those things. That's a lesson that I now know. I have no control over that. I don't know what triggers it. Um, usually something to do with bodies and blood and things like that. But I now know when I get that call from my brain that like, you need to leave now, I will get up and leave. I'm going to walk out next time. So, you know, you have these weird little instances and that's where you got to just like, okay, I'm going to learn from this one because I didn't from the last one. So. Mm. Well, I so appreciate anyway. you sharing those things with me. I, I think, you know, it, uh, it, I think it takes a lot of courage to share, you know, definitely personal struggles and especially really personal, personal struggles. And I definitely appreciate you sharing those things with me. Um, now, you know, you've been in podcasting since 2005. You've seen probably a lot of shows crash, a lot of shows skyrocket. Sure. What's like, besides the technology fact, um, more like the culture of podcasting, how is it different from 2005 till today? In the early days, like 2005, it was very much almost like the 60s in a way where we were very anti-establishment. We were tired of radio. We were tired of the fact that we couldn't get them to play our music anymore. And we're going to stick it to the man. It was very much, you know, stick your finger in the air and, and wave it at people and, and there's no rules. There's no FCC. We're going to do whatever. And there were, there were some really bizarre shows would just never make it on the radio. We created at the time a website where independent uh, musicians could upload their music. And by uploading it there, you're saying, feel free to play it. You don't have my permission. Just mention my band and mention the website. Uh, that was really cool. So we all became our own DJs and things like that. So that was, that was kind of fun in the early days. It was very much like, screw the man. We're, we don't need no stinking antennas. We're going we're, you know, to go out and do that. Over the years, it's now back then, of course, you would go to somebody and say, do you listen to podcasts? And they go, do you need an iPod for that? Because the iPhone didn't exist yet. You know, yeah. So it was a much, that's why the original wave of podcasts were very technical because only geeks knew how to get one. Mm -hmm. So there was, there was kind of a geeky uh, wave and then there was a language wave where people were learning it to, to learn different languages. Uh, and in phase, you had, you know, the Adam Carollas and the Mark Marins of the world and things like that. Um, then you had serial come along and right now we're still in the midst of a uh, true crime is just nuts. There are tons of true crime. Yes, there people are. <laughs> just can't get enough. And then all along the way, one of the top uh, category churches, uh, specifically Christianity has uh, a huge number because a lot of people take their sermons from Sunday and throw them mm -hmm. up there. Um, the biggest thing now is there's actually an audience, you know, 51% of Americans have listened to at least one podcast. Now we are more popular in the car than satellite radio. So we're, we're slowly every year radio loses a little audience and every year podcasting grows a little audience. So we're just getting bigger and bigger. And that's where people are now starting to go. Hmm maybe I should do one of those things. And where before I remember the very, the, the second conference I went to, there was a friend of mine named Paul Culligan and we both went, Hey, you know what? If, if you actually grew enough audience, you might actually be able to make money with this thing. And we just about got stoned because back then it was about the art, man, this is my show. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's my art. And we're like, we walk in saying, I think we can make money with this. They're like, get him out of here. You, corporate shrill you know it's like uh like the star so now yeah so now yeah very much so and so now people are starting seeing that it's not so much making money with the podcast like i'm not going to sell my mp3 files 
yeah. but it can be a really good marketing arm if I already have my own product. So that's uh, probably the big thing. Just the fact that people listen now. I mean, I remember it's, it's still weird now on TV to hear somebody. Uh, there's a show right now called um, God Friended Me, and the lead character is a podcaster. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Alex Inc. was a podcast show on ABC uh, based on um, there's a, a company called Gimlet that pro- professionally produces podcasts, and the startup company of that was a really good part, really good podcast. If you want to listen to startup, the se- first season is amazing. And they took that first season and turned it into a uh, TV show. Now in the process of kind of translating it to TV, they took all the entertaining parts out and added a bunch of things that weren't really in there and kind of ruined it. Uh, there have been shows on HBO, on Amazon that started off as a podcast. So I think we're starting to see the beginnings of using podcasting like a minor league to test a, a subject because I can produce a year's worth of podcasts for about, I don't know, a, a tenth of what it would cost to do one TV pilot. So mm-hmm. let's see if we can get this out there, see if it, if it engages the audience. And if so, maybe we'll take this, grow the audience, and then turn it into a podcast. So it just keeps growing every year. It's uh, Last year, we grew 7%. We're, every year before that, it was somewhere between 3 and 4. But it's every since 2004 is when it started. And every year, it's been going up little by little. And that's actually kind of the cool thing is just – it just, you can just see we're just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I think that's probably the big thing. People are seeing it more now as a marketing arm and it's also easier. I mean, there are, uh, there are apps now, which is kind of a good thing, bad thing. You can now just fire up an app, hit record, record into your phone, hit stop and boom, you've got a podcast. That's the good news. It's super easy. Yeah. The, pro- the problem is that's not the problem with podcasting. The, making a podcast, they definitely made it easier. Hands down, can't argue that point. Mm-hmm. But that's not the problem. Making a good podcast is the problem. Because I just listened to one this week where some guy put his phone down on a table. He was in the mall. I, his friend, <laughs> and I was just like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, you know, and he's sitting there chomping on pizza. And they're like, well, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? And they're like, well, we could talk about this and that. Okay, but, and then they pause for like a second and a half. And they're like, hey, man, it's good to see you. And they kind of started the podcast. And I'm like, there's this thing called editing that you can do. It's not radio. You know, you could, you could have gone in and easily chopped out those first 30 seconds where you're chomping on your pizza. And, you know, I don't know, maybe the mall's not the best place to record your podcast. You know, so um, it's uh, Steve Martin has a great quote in his uh, master class. He says, so many people come to him you know, he's a comedian and he's like, so many people come to me and they say, Steve, how do I get a manager? How do I get an agent? He goes, very few people, if any, come to me and say, Steve, how do I get good? And that's really in the end, about 70% of people find podcasts from somebody else saying, you've got to hear this podcast. It's not because they found it in the app or it's, you know, ratings and reviews. It's because somebody said, oh, wow, I just heard this podcast. It's really good. I, I do a, uh, a Northeast Ohio podcasters meetup. And that's one of the things we do. What are you guys listening to? And I forget the name of the show. It's in my phone, but there's actually a woman doing a show about how to get featured in your local media, because that's what every podcast wants. We all want more exposure. And a friend of mine who works in local media said, yeah, that's actually a pretty good show. And I'm like, done in my phone. So 
that's just another example of that's one of that 70% of somebody saying, this is a really good show. You should listen to it. So, and I think so many people think if I just record a conversation without a real point, without a real focus geared to giving value to the audience, that somehow that's going to turn into, you know, gold. And I'm like, mm, just because it's a conversation, you know, just because it's real doesn't mean it's real interesting. Right. Yeah. You know, so uh, yes. I think sometimes think if I just turn on a microphone and, you know, or another one, uh, a common myth is, man, me and Skip have known each other for 30 years. And that dude is hilarious. And you ask Skip, he's going to tell you I'm hilarious. And, and then they do things like, you remember that time with the Orange Gatorade? And he goes, the Orange Gatorade. <laughs> Nobody knows what they're talking about. Yeah. They got 30 years of inside jokes. Nobody knows what they're talking about. But they think they're hilarious. And they are. And I'm like, look, if the goal is to spend more time with your buddy and have a good time, then do that podcast. But don't do that podcast and go, why can't, why can't I get a sponsor? Because nobody's listening because nobody knows what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So. That, that's interesting. I, uh, like had a, my iPhone six, which like, I think the iPhone X just came out when I started my podcast yeah. and like a $20 mic. And I was recording in coffee shops anywhere i could get a space and like just through trial and error like had no idea how to interview people and no idea what direction i was going no idea how to edit yeah it well you just, gotta start somewhere you yeah. know and and that's uh i've had a few people i just there's a book coming out next year that i just wrote it's right now it's it's off to the publisher uh and it's called profit from your podcast and i have multiple examples of people that started a podcast, they jump into their niche and they thought they had an idea. Like Daniel J. Lewis is a friend of mine. He does the audacity to podcast. He was a web designer mm -hmm. and he, he wanted to help people. The, the name of the show is the audacity to podcast. Mm -hmm. And the problem was there's a software title that's free called audacity. Yeah. So every, so everybody thought the podcast was about audacity. It wasn't, it was about having the courage, having the audacity to podcast. And he thought he would use it to market his web design skills. And the problem was he ended up with a whole bunch of people who wanted free software. Well, people that want free software do not want to pay a thousand dollars for a new website. Yeah. That's just not in the budget. So, but, so here was a guy that had built a community but nobody wanted what he was selling. But he did find out that they wanted more traffic. He, under, he understands that uh, a lot of people were buying this one piece of software and nobody or hardware, nobody knew how to use it. And so he made a course on um, SEO for podcasters. He made a course on how to use the Zoom H6. And then he also found that while there were people like me that were helping people kind of plan, launch, and grow their podcast. He wanted to make a, a course on now that I have a podcast, how do I grow it? So it was a little mm -hmm. more less on launching and more on like, now that I have one, what do I do? So mm -hmm. we created a, a course called Podcaster Society. And I see that more and more where people are, they get the idea for a product after they jump in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, that takes a little while because you have to figure out who your audience is or what do they want, what do they need, and things like that. So, because that's really the number one way. If you want to make money with your podcast, sell a product of your own. Because by doing a podcast on a regular basis and delivering value, I will say that over and over and over, you have to deliver value. By doing that on a regular basis, you become, if you can do it on a regular schedule, you don't have to, but if you can, you now become part of their routine mm -hmm. and 
So now you're, you are dependable. They trust you. If you can share a little bit about yourself, they get to know and, and like you and, and trust you. And so now when you say, hey, I have a new book, I have a new course, I have a new whatever your product is, they're more than likely going to buy it. Now, not everybody, uh, but definitely some people will. And that's definitely more profitable than having sponsors or, you know, things of that nature. So that's, that's uh, one thing I've, I've found uh, sometimes when it comes to marketing and podcasting. Yeah, if you trust the person that you're listening to, you feel like you get to know them. And if like, hey, they're selling a sweatshirt. If I trust and I know somebody through a product, like an influencer or whatever, I would be more interested in buying their book or whatever just to support them. Right. Not, like the book might be dog shit, but I still. Yeah. Just it's the, it's the law of reciprocity. So by delivering value, you've given something to them to where they kind of feel indebted to you. So when you say, Hey, my book's coming out, it's on pre-order for 19 bucks on Amazon. They'll go over and buy it. Um, Scott Sigler is a hall of fame podcaster way back in 2005. He had a, a book. He couldn't get a publisher for his book. It's a mixture of science fiction and horror. And people are like, wait, what? Horror and science fiction? Yeah. And he couldn't get anybody. So he started releasing his chapters as a podcast. Oh, and really? people And people were just going bananas for it. Like, when is the next chapter coming out? And uh, so he actually ended up putting out his entire book for free. And then he turned around and uh, got his own you know, artwork, hired his own editor and put the book out himself on Amazon. And he said, Hey, just so you know, I, I know you've already got this book. You've received it. I thank you so much for all the praise. I'm so glad you liked it. If you could, it's going on this day, going to be available on Amazon as a hardcover book. If you like the book and would like to pay me back, simply buy a copy. If you want to buy a copy for your friend, that'd be great too, but do that. And they did. And he was number two on Amazon, not number two in his category, number two on Amazon, on all of Amazon. Holy. He would have he been number one except for this other book called Harry Potter. Wow. Yeah. So that's all about the law of reciprocity. He had delivered value. They felt indebted. They felt like they knew him. And now it was just like, hey, I can spend 10 bucks to help my friend Scott. And everybody and their brother did. Wow. Yeah. That's that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Number two on Amazon. Yeah. Right on. <clears throat> and so, that then led, that then led to him getting an actual publishing deal with an actual publisher. Well, he went and did it himself and then he got a deal. Yeah. Because he's like, look, I was number two on Amazon. They're like, Oh wait, hold on a second. We, what does that, Oh, that, that horror science fiction thing sounds like a really good idea. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So just because somebody else tells you no, it doesn't mean that's a bad idea. Yeah. And sometimes no is not no. Sometimes no is not now. Yes. Because I've run into that where I've tried to get guests on my show and they'll be like, mm, nah. And I'd be like, so if I ever try to get a guest, it's usually uh, if they have something to promote, they will always come on your show if there's something to promote. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I stalk. Not stock. It's they probably feel like I'm stalking them. I just like give it time and I go back and try and get them. And then it's oh yeah, process. I did that Actually. with um, Pat, Pat Flynn is a, a friend. But when I first met him, you know, he was the Pat Flynn, and yeah. I asked him, and and uh, he kept having kids. Every time he's like, oh, I would love to come on your show, man, but you know, my wife's gonna spit out a kid here. I, I've got to kind of stay around. 
And so when he finally came out with his smart podcast player, I'm like, aha, he's trying to reach podcasters. And I reached out. It's like, I'd be happy to come on your show. And since then, I've, I've got to hang with him a little bit. He's a really great guy. But I uh, originally got him on my show because he had something to promote. Mm, right on. That's interesting. That's really interesting. That's cool, though. Like, yeah. just starting this podcast within the, I've been doing it for about 10 months. And talking to people that I've been following or read, read their books, YouTube channel, whatever, for years. I'm like, all of a sudden, they're either sitting in front of me on a screen or in person. It just blows my mind, just the community. Yeah, I have a, a friend of mine that started a podcast and I asked him, I'm like, hey, uh, you know, how's that podcast going? He's like, oh, good. I'm like, well, you know, how are your downloads? He's like, eh, I don't know. I don't really pay attention. I'm like, well, what kind of feedback are you getting from your audience? He goes, oh, I, I get a little here and there. And I'm like, well, let's back up a second. Let's, because you always come back to like, why are you starting this podcast? He goes, oh, that's easy. I, I get to talk to people I have no business talking to. So his, he uh, was doing a podcast about the banking industry. And he goes, there are people that I could never get past the gatekeepers. He goes, but now when I call them up and say, would you like to be a guest on my show? He goes, I'm right in. He goes, so I'm building my network. He goes, and not that I don't care about my audience. I don't care about my downloads. He goes, I just get to talk to people that I've been trying to talk to for years and I couldn't do it. And now I'm getting, he goes, now they're approaching me to be on my show. So that's another big advantage of a, of a podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> what, uh, what are three mistakes you see most podcasters make? getting in to make money quickly. Like I want to quit my job in six months. I'm like, you could open up a Wendy's and not make money in six months. Right. So that's, that's probably that. Uh, and not having um, a, a business plan or thinking about a business. Cause in the end there's what you're going to talk about. So what's your goal? So maybe you're like, well, I want to get more speaking gigs. I want to be seen as an expert. Okay. And then here's your audience. What do they want to hear? And you have to figure out what it is in the middle. Uh, I had one client of mine once and I said, uh, he goes, yeah, I want to start a podcast. I'm like, great. I'm like, what is it going to be about? And he goes, oh, I'm, I want to interview other entrepreneurs. And I'm like, oh, uh, you know, we, we kind of went over everything. And I'm like, great. Um, you know, is it going to be you? Is it going to be co-host? And we got all his equipment set up. He starts doing it. And I said, uh, how's everything going? He goes, well, it's going great. He goes, but it's not really driving any business to my wife's real estate. And I was like, wait, you're what? And he goes, well, yeah, I was hoping to drive business to my wife's real estate. I go, well, then you're doing the wrong podcast. I go, you know, doing a show where you interview people will, will build your network. I go, but your audience doesn't want to hear about other entrepreneurs and, and their inspiring story. Not that it's not inspiring, but you're looking for people that are going to buy and sell a house. I go, if you're trying to get people to a real estate agent, I said, so why not do a show about all those confusing things that banks do and how do I get my show or how do I get my uh, house um, audited or whatever, or, you know, all those confusing things about buying and selling a house or tons of topics. And I go, since you're trying to get people to know you in your area, why not do a calendar, like a local calendar? Hey, down at the theater, you know, this week it's, they're showing the new Rocky movie and Oh, down at uh, Bo's, you know, Joe's pub, uh, local band so-and-so is playing and don't forget you know down at the playhouse theater they're they're doing you know cats again whatever the local thing is going on any kind of local news because now um, you are attracting people that need to buy and sell a house which is your target audience and you're doing it local 
And I said, and you're building that, that relationship with your audience. So now when somebody goes, Hey man, what's up? And they're like, Oh, I just found out over the weekend. My wife's pregnant. We're gonna have to move. Oh man, you need to cast because mm. I listen to that. And then their friends tell their friends, I go, now you're, you're talking about things that your audience wants to hear, but it's going to position you in a way to get you what you want, which is people that need to buy and sell a house. So uh, if you're doing it as a business, that's, that's really kind of podcasting 101. Why am I doing this? Who is it for? And then where do they meet in the middle? Because, you know, you might be running a business and you're thinking about click funnels and, and lead magnets. Well, your audience doesn't want to hear about that. And they're also talking about their French toast recipes and, and their cat. Well, you don't care about that. You got to find things that, that will put you in a position that you want to be in, whatever, again, whatever that goal is. And at the same time, hold the attention of your, your audience. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one mistake, trying to make money quickly. Uh, number two, trying to do it on the cheap. Um, I, I, because I work for a, a media hosting company, I run into a lot of people that have tried to do this for free. And I always go, look, if you played golf recently, or if you've gone bowling, you know, and, and these are people that won't spend $5 a month on a media host. And I'm like, and then they, they, uh, they'll use some free company. And the last time I checked free is a horrible business model. It's hard to stay in, but you don't charge for your services. And so they will build their podcast on this free account and then it goes out of business and they're like, ah, oh, and then they lose their audience. So uh, that's another one. Uh, let's see what else. Third one, um, not taking time um, to, your microphone is pretty important. And so um, there's a, a microphone called a Blue Yeti that a lot of people use. And it's not a bad microphone, but they don't learn how to use it properly. They're like, two feet away from it and you end up sounding like you're in a bathroom. And, and that was something that would get, you could get away with in like 2006, but now with professional kind of radio people getting in mm -hmm. and the, the fact that it's, I, I mean, I have a microphone right here that's 40, it's 60 bucks. And mm -hmm. the microphone I'm talking into is $300. There's not $240 difference. So you don't have to spend a million dollars on equipment, but you, you can't use the, the microphone in your laptop. Um, you can, it's just not going to sound that great. So I, I always tell people, you know, if I went golfing or bowling, you know, a couple times a month, I'd be putting out 30, $40 a month. And you could easily do that with a podcast and have money left over and sound great. So you, you need the, the best equipment that you can afford. And again, you don't need to spend $1,200. I usually tell people when you first start off, you're going to spend about as much money as you would on an Xbox. So 300 bucks maybe to get going. Um, so get sound good. Uh, remember who your audience is and give them what they want and just realize you're not going to quit your day job in, in six weeks. It's just not six weeks or six months. You know, the, the studies I have seen and people really hate when I say this, but it's the truth. It's going to be to, to where you really start making a dent and making money. If that's the goal of it and you're running this like a business, it's going to be probably two to three years. And some people are like, ooh, I was hoping more like two to three months. And I'm like, mm, nope. Because, I mean, think about your best friend ever. How long have you known them, right? It takes a while to build, build that relationship. Yeah. And so now you have a relationship with your audience so that they trust you. And you're only going to talk to them for an hour a week. I'm like, it's going to take a little bit longer than that. So you have to have a little patience. And that's why I always tell people you have to have passion for whatever it is you're talking about. Because when you first start off, A, you don't have an audience. It's going to take a little while. 
and and that's where that passion for your your subject carries you through until the actual audience shows up. Mm. It's interesting. Which yeah, like you're not unless you are a movie star or whatever. Nobody right. knows who you are. Yeah, a lot of people ask me, how do I do a show like Joe Rogan? I go, okay, first things first, start about nine years ago. Do, <laughs> do, do comedy for nine years in Boston. Get on TV for news radio. Then get another TV show called uh, Fear Factor. Do that for about six years. Get on The Tonight Show. Uh, join forces with MMA. You yeah. know, work on your chops. And then get a podcast. You know, how do I Be get a everywhere. podcast? Like, Yeah, I mean, there's, you know... Um, Oh, who's the Conan O'Brien just got a big deal. You know, he's Conan O'Brien. He's been on TV for, you know, 20 years. It's, it doesn't, you're starting from nowhere. So right, <laughs> it's yeah. going to take a little time to, yeah. to grow that. Yeah, I have been slowly upgrading my equipment and like I've broken like probably five laptops in the last 10 months. That's always fun. Yeah. And then I was, today I was staring at my mic and I'm like, man, Instead of investing in a laptop, I should really up my mic. It's like this forty dollar. I think it's Zell or I don't know. It, yeah, I, I, this this is this one. Uh, this is the Audio Technica ATR twenty one hundred. What I love about it is it it works with a mixer, or it works uh, via USB, and and it's sixty bucks. Uh, there's one even cheaper called the Samson Q two U that works the exact same way and they just sound amazing. So, mm. uh, but for some reason back in 2005, somebody wrote an article that said the best microphone for podcasting is a blue Yeti. And it's just not, it's not a bad microphone, but so many people, cause the, the blue Yeti is meant you actually talk into the side of it, but it looks like a microphone that sits on like Jimmy Fallon's desk. So everybody talks into the top of it. Yeah. So that's going to sound horrible. And then it has these different settings where it'll pick up, what's right in front of you, which is mm -hmm. what you want, or you can set it up to pick up from the sides or from the front and the back or from every direction. And so many people put that bad boy on, pick up everything. And then they put it two feet away from them. And it just sounds, you know, I mean, I can do this with this microphone. I can put my mouth way away and now I get all echoey and where if I'm right up on it, it sounds like I'm in your head. And so uh. it's just a difference. And when your sound becomes so bad, that it distracts me from what you're saying, that's a problem. Yeah. So, you know, I was listening to a, a podcast. I was driving to uh, Youngstown, Ohio last week. I was at an event and somebody had, it was a, a husband and wife team. And then they had their guest. And for whatever reason, the guest was on a crappy mic and the, the volume wasn't level. And every time that guy talked, because my car was going, because I'm driving 75 miles an hour, couldn't hear a thing the guy was saying because the volumes weren't level. Oh, and that's wow. just a rookie mistake. You know, and there are all sorts of tools that you can use to, uh, to level that out. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, how important do you think about like the sound quality of the room? Like, do you need to like make it soundproof or the mic? Yeah, unless you're in a room that's all glass. I mean, there, I, I obsess over the fact that I have a little room noise, but I always say try to get your, your mouth about three fingers away from the mic, have a pop filter, don't talk directly into the mic because now if I say something like peanut butter, although I'm holding my mouth back here, uh, you'll get these things called plosives. But if you do proper microphone technique and you got a decent microphone, you're going to be okay. 
I mean, I will, because I'm sitting in a quiet room with head sit here and go, mm, I hear a little reverb off the, the rooms, but that's because I'm listening through the ears of a podcaster. If I put this in on my phone with earbuds and I walk the dog, I'm not going to notice any of that stuff. So as long as you have a decent microphone and you're using proper mic technique, you should be okay. So basically don't do what I'm doing, leaning back in my chair. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. Your, your, your microphone would be, I, I, if you were my client, I'd be like, okay, first things first, we got to get you a new <laughs> mic and you're, you're nowhere near your microphone. I yeah. actually thought you were using the microphone on your, your laptop. Really? Yeah. Wow. You don't sound, you don't sound horrible, but as opposed to you being in my head, I, yeah. with you, I sound, I, I feel like I'm a fly on the wall. Gotcha. It's, it's the difference between you talking mm. to me and me watching you talk to somebody else. It's just a different thing, but yeah, no, I, I've been like begging people for feedback and like, yeah. you can't, just, you need feedback from somebody not named mom. And I <laughs> tell people that all the time. It's funny. I, one of the shows I do is called the podcast rodeo show. And I did it because I was testing. I test a lot of different uh, media hosts and tools and I needed a show. I had no time to do another podcast because podcasts take a lot of time. And I said, I need a podcast that requires zero prep. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to grab a podcast because I hear a lot of podcasts anyway. And I said, I'll see how long I can hang on because most of them, people are really blowing the intro. They're just like the one I said, the guy's eating pizza at the mall. And mm -hmm. uh, I'll see how long I can. And then I will give you an honest first impression. And I started doing it. I was going to quit. And an audience had already shown up. And they're like, this is great because you're saying all the things that nobody is saying to these people. And I said, yeah, but uh, it's kind of hurting my reputation as a teacher and a guy that's here to help people. And that's when I had the actual people I, were, I was finding saying, oh, thank God, because I didn't know this sounded that way. And I didn't realize, like I had, uh, I just listened to a show this week called Trashy Divorces. And it's written, it's produced by two writers and, but the show is called Trashy Divorces. And so they're talking about, it's supposed to be real people with really bad divorces. So they're going to talk about Penny Marshall and, um, oh, Princess Leia. What's her name? The actress, oh, uh, Carrie Fisher. So it was Carrie Fisher and Penny Marshall, who turned out were best friends. So they start off, they didn't explain what the show was. They're just like, hey, Trashy Divorces, we're back. Now, granted, you kind of get that from the title, but they didn't explain who they were. Uh, and then just start talking about we are the champions or no, you're my best friend, a song by uh, queen and the history of the song. And I'm like, what does this have to do with trashy divorces? Well, that had to do with Penny Marshall and Carrie Fisher being best friends. And I'm like, okay, did we need all that background of the song to understand that these two people are best friends? And then they got into their Patreon, which I'm like going, why would I support you? You haven't given me any value yet. Mm -hmm. And and then they, like seven minutes in, they were finally going to start to get to the content. And at that point I hit the, because I'm like, I can't wait any longer. I tuned in to hear about trashy divorces and you're talking about all this other stuff. And I don't mind a little chit chat, but not seven minutes. And I just went for me. And that's why I always tell there's a, there's a disclaimer that says the following is an opinion. It's only an opinion. Uh, if you don't agree with the opinion, feel free to never listen again because it's just an opinion. Yeah. And um, so that's a show I do. And the reason I still do it is I had people say, no, no, 
I, I had people that I completely trashed their podcast and I try to do it in a constructive way because you can't fix, like if I just say, wow, your podcast sucks, you can't help that. I mean, how do I, but if I say, look, um, you and your guest are at different volumes and here's how you fix that. Or um, the name of your, I didn't understand what the name of the podcast was and I found this confusing. And like I had somebody, I forget the name of the show, but they, they brought up a topic and then they did so much chit chat that by the time they went back to the guest and actually started it, I forgot what the heck, like, why is this person here again? Like, who is that? Mm-hmm. So just, it's just like I always say, it's just an honest first impression. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we ask our friends and family and they're not going to give us an honest first impression. And really, you know, you can ask me, but the best thing to do is to go into a Facebook group about your topic or a meetup group or go find the people that you think would listen to your podcast and say, look, I'm starting a podcast. I know you're probably all busy. If anybody's interested, I would love to give you episode one and then have you guys talk about it. Like I'm not in the room. I have extra set of skin with me. I'm not afraid of any kind of, you know, criticism. I just need feedback on this because I don't want to put it out and have it suck. And that's really what people do. And here's the thing. We go back to the artist guy, right? This guy, man, it's my art. That guy doesn't want to really hear that he needs to tweak his podcast. And mm-hmm. I get that. I mean, it's, it's podcasting is a lot of work. We put a lot of effort into it. And then somebody says, yeah, you're completely missing the mark. That's, that's tough to hear. But it's better than doing that than putting out stuff that nobody's going to, to listen to. Uh, when I was at that female conference, there was a, a woman came up. She was going to do a show called um, Solving Me Too in Seven Steps. And she goes, because I really think my audience is worried about something they did 10 years ago and has come back and bite them in the butt. And I said, hold on a second. There are only like 10 guys at this event. So I grabbed two of them and I said, are you worried about something you did 10 years ago? And they're like, no. And I said, for me, I'm worried about something I'm going to say now that I don't think is offensive, but is, and I'm going to step right in it. And the one guy's like, exactly. I go, how do you flirt now? How do you, I said, the only way you can flirt with a female right now is to say, would you like to go to dinner sometime? Because if I say, wow, you look really good in that dress. I said, somebody might look at that and go, well, I, I felt like he was staring at my body or you never know how people are going to take it. And they're all like, yes, what he just said, that's it. That's what we're talking about. So she got feedback from her target audience because I said, I would listen to that. I said, I look, I said, I'm a nice guy. I said, but I am a middle-aged white guy. And I said, if I watch the news, I'm the devil. I'm, I'm apparently racist and I'm just waiting to grab somebody by the boobs. <laughs> and I said, that's not me. And I said, but I got to make sure I'm not, you know, I said, I need to, to get woke and figure out what's going on. And, and I said, but I'm not worried about what I did 10 years ago. I said, because I think I'm a pretty good guy. And so she was like, wow, this is really good feedback. And I think, Um, some people don't, you know, they just want to do the podcast they want to do. And by all means, you have every right to do that and you can do that. But if you're looking to connect with a specific audience, a specific audience, you got to know who they are. You got to know what they want. Mm, Absolutely. Right. So Dave, I got a couple last questions for you. All right. Um, one, where can people find you? schoolofpodcasting.com is my main website. If you want to see all things I do, I have kind of a network page and that's over at powerofpodcasting.com because I've got about four or five shows all about podcasting. Mm, okay. You uh, not on Instagram? 
Twitter. Uh, Twitter, you can find, if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I think I still have a link to Google. <laughs> Google Plus is probably, that needs to come down because that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but Instagram is School of Podcasting. Um, Facebook is School of Podcasting. Twitter is Dave Jackson. That's why I always just send people to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. Fair enough. Because I always, I always forget which one's which. Fair enough. Okay. LinkedIn, that whole nine yards. YouTube. Anywhere. Yeah. Just type in Dave Jackson on Google and you'll pop well, up. Well, that, that sometimes works, but there's about 8 million. I mean, I know of five Dave Jacksons in Akron, Ohio. So there's a, oh, there's really? a, yeah, there's a basketball player in England. There's a writer. Yeah. I walked into a music store once and I walked in and I said, Hey, I'm Dave Jackson. I'm here to make a payment because I was doing a thing with a, a band at the time. And literally like every manager came out of the, the woodwork and they're like, don't move. And I'm like, David A. Jackson. They're like, oh, hold on, never mind. <laughs> there was there was some guy that owed them a lot of money and was not making his payments, and I was oh, like, wow. oh, that's another Dave Jackson. Sorry. So <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, all right. So last question: What's your message to the world? A message to the world, boy. That's a that's a good one. Um, don't be afraid to try new things, and you can probably do a whole lot more than you think you can. Because I know I'm deathly afraid of heights and uh, this summer, it wasn't, it wasn't often floating up, up and away, but I went up in a hot air balloon and that made me about wet my pants, but I, I did it anyway. Um, you know, I've, I just, you know, I always say if you do something that you're not sure if you're going to do, if you feel nervous about it, either A, it's going to be like, it's either going to be great or you're going to end up with a really good story. And as a podcaster, I'm always up for a really good story. So uh, I, I will definitely take that as, as well. But in the end, it's, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen uh, is, is one of the questions I ask a lot, especially with people who want to start a podcast. They'd be like, well, I'm thinking about doing that. I'm like, what's the worst thing that could happen? You, you spend 50 bucks on a microphone that you don't use. Sell it on eBay. You're okay. Love it. Love it. Right on, Dave. Well, thank you for your time. Oh, no Appreciate problem. It. And, uh, I will talk to you soon. All right, man. What's up, guys? Man, that was an exciting episode, wasn't it? Hope you guys learned a lot. Please, again, go rate and review this on your listening platforms. I would very much appreciate it. But today, I want to talk to you about Tyler Michael Chauncey. She is the founder of Create Athletes. What is Create Athletes? Well, originally it was to create strong women, but now it's still to create strong women. You know, she's leveling up and becoming an even better personal trainer. And she has a special right now. She wants five new people. Only five. And you could be one of those five to lose 10 pounds in the next 30 days. If you have any other fitness goals, find her on Instagram at T-Y-L-U-E-R underscore M-I-K-A-L underscore C-H-A-N-C-Y. Let her know that you're listening to this podcast and you need the best personal trainer.
So go out, find her on Instagram. Let her know that Robert DeLude sent you. You know, she'll have you fill out a form, go through the process. And if you just want some amazing gym gear, she also has that too. The Create hoodies are so comfortable. Um, I, yeah, I honestly wear it pretty much every day. So it's amazing and I love it. If I could sleep in it without getting too sweaty, I probably would. So anyways, thank you again for tuning in today and uh, I'll talk to you soon.